Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias at work through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski, and this week's topic is female authors and speakers, why we need more of them. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, I take a different topic each week that has some impact on gender equality, and I share something I'm hopeful for. I do a deep dive into that topic, sharing some research and other perspectives on that topic, and I close with a challenge or a conversation starter so we can all go back out into the world and have conversations about gender that might move us closer to equality. So thanks for joining. For those of you who are longer-term listeners, thank you. I had the happy experience in the past couple of weeks of not only getting listener feedback, thank you Terry Mead and Joanna Bloor, but also learning that I have a listener in Australia who uh, actually was talking with Terry Mead about this podcast. So it's exciting to hear that people are actually listening, and it's amazing to me that the reach can reach across the world, which shouldn't surprise me, but for some reason it does. So anyway, thank you for listening and thank you for spreading the word. Hopefully this is creating more conversations about gender that are constructive and helpful. So here is why I'm hopeful this week about the equality of female authors or speakers in the future. I recently read an article in The Guardian by Molly Flatt entitled, Is the Future Female? Fixing Sci-Fi's Women Problem. And she tells a story of being asked to write a story about women in the future and how she struggled with it. Who was she to write this story? She fell into patterns of traditionally male sci-fi stories And she says, quote, in the end, I gave up trying to be the right kind of female science fiction writer and simply wrote what came out, a riff on grief, love, and family that wore its near future science lightly. But that isn't to say that my story, A Darker Wave, was any more female or meaningful than others in the anthology, the ones that had sexier heroines, Cassandra Cause, There Are Wolves in These Woods, or more glamorous settings, Madeline Ashby's The Cure for Jet Lag, or more overt astrophysics, Liz Williams' In the God Fields. It was just different. They all were. Their shared femaleness was less notable than their exhilarating and unexpected range of perspectives, fears, hopes, and ideas. I love this quote because it talks about how women don't fall into the same bucket. They have different perspectives, but the experience of exhilaration of seeing a range of perspectives and what people hold as fears and hopes is really exciting. And I think that's why we need a diversity of authors out there. Ms. Flatt also explains what she sees as the the power of sci-fi. She says, The best science fiction has always been that which most powerfully disrupts our expectations. If adding more and more varied depictions of female life helps uncover new ideas in sci-fi, from hard to soft to the genre-skimming hybrids, that makes for better books. And the better the sci-fi, the more likely it is to dislodge old thinking, spark new ideas, reach new readers, and perhaps change the future. 
whether the giant alien warrior queens mention their periods or not. <laughs> I love how she ends that with a recognition that there are certain things that are female experiences that really don't get represented much or perhaps accurately in current fiction. A couple things I wanted to highlight about this story are that Ms. Flat first said yes. She said yes before she knew what she, what she was going to write. And then she kind of struggled through what she was going to write about. And she felt this incredible weight of representing women in the genre. And I think that, that that weight is felt more when there are fewer voices like yours out there. You feel more responsibility for representing your entire gender, which is unfair. But thankfully, she worked through that. She worked through the imposter syndrome of who am I to, to write this? Why do I think that I have the experience or the right to do that? And she ended up writing what she knew. And I think this is so important, and this is what gives me hope, is that just hearing the female perspective and experience helps expand our collective experience. Like we need to hear stories from the perspective of women because we have a different perspective. We see things and experience things and feel things differently than men do. And it's important not just for women to read these stories and feel that their stories are reflected in these stories, but it's also important for men to read these stories. It gives you sort of this secret insight into how women think and see and view the world which is great not only for your understanding of us, but also gives you more information about how we approach the world. So go check out Molly Flat's story, A Darker Wave. Maybe check out some of the other authors that she mentions in her story. Okay, so let's dive in. I wanted to talk about this topic of the need for more female authors and speakers, because recently it seems like everything I've read or watched has been very male heavy. It hadn't really occurred to me, largely because that's just the experience. I mean, I think for, for many women, um, we just get so used to seeing men in movies and on TV shows and being the ones talking that sometimes it's easy f to forget that we're not seeing as many women out there as we really should. In the past couple of months, I started reading a couple of books that were just happened to be by female authors, and it felt really different. The writing style, the experiences that they were having, I could connect to much more. These books that I read were Jodi Picoult, Small Great Things, and Debbie Irving, Waking Up White. I also started paying closer attention to how women are represented in movies. How many are there? Do they talk? What do they talk about? As I was looking more into this, I came across the Bechdel test, which I feel like I should have known forever, but didn't. And this is a test that looks at the representation of women in films. It asks whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And more recently, the requirement that the two women must actually have a name and not just be a waitress or the mother is also added. So I started observing in the movies and the shows that I've been watching where women show up as speakers. And it's really rather sad that for the most part, they are in a supporting role. They aren't talking about things that are important to them. They talk more about men or they're supporting men or, or just the depictions are not of strong, intelligent, thoughtful women for the most part. And so I encourage you to take a look at that in the movies that you watch and see what you observe. 
after observing this, both with respect to the books that I was reading and the movies that I was watching, I started also looking at this more in the business world and observing where women show up as speakers. And it was a little disappointing. I get invited to a lot of conferences and I tend to look at who who's on the speaker lineup. And over and over again, I see male heavy panels and conference lineups. And it reminded me that years ago, when I was pretty new to speaking on panels and at conferences, I was asked to moderate a whole conference day. And I was super excited about this. I was a young-ish lawyer, and this was a big moment for me to really run the whole day, to get up and speak in front of this big crowd and, and introduce each of the panels. I prepared for this. I was asked kind of last minute, and so I didn't know anything about the lineup until an, a day or two before. And when I started looking at all the speakers so that I could say something interesting about them and present them, I realized that every person on every panel that day was male, except for me. And I was in a position of introducing all of these men who were speaking substantively, whereas all I was doing was introducing them. It was mortifying. This was pretty early in my days getting out there and speaking about gender equality, but I had plenty of women in the audience come up to me on breaks and say, really? You are the conference chair of this conference and you couldn't put a single woman on these panels. Now, I was not in charge of putting the panels together. I had no input into that. And yes, I could share that with the, the women who uh, shared their complaints with me, but it was pretty mortifying and that stuck with me. So fast forward to more recently, I was asked to moderate a panel, and one of my first questions was, who's on it? Who Are there women on it, or is it all men? At the time, it was all men. And um, the conference organizer said, you know, we are working very hard to get female speakers, generally for the conference, but also for this panel. And she identified names to me. It wasn't just that she was making that up. And I told her, I will not commit to moderating this panel until you have confirmation that at least one panelist is female. And she came back to me two days later and said, I have confirmation that this woman is going to be on the panel. And so I confirmed that I would be the moderator. Now, this is just one way that it shows up. I'm really encouraged by the Twitter traffic I see about men who say they will refuse to be a part of a conference or a part of a panel if they don't see women in that lineup or a significant enough representation of women. I do think that men speaking up in that way is, is really critical to seeing progress because often, like if you think about the conference that I chaired, if I had said, no, I'm not going to be a part of it, they might have found a man and then it would have been 100% men. So unless men are willing to speak up and step aside if, if needed to ensure better female representation, it's hard to see that progress happening very quickly. For those women listening who think, oh, I don't really want to be on a panel anyway, or I don't want to speak at a conference, I have some advice for you from Karen Catlin, who is the co-author of Present, a Techie's Guide to Public Speaking. I asked her for her thoughts on this. She gave this advice. Public speaking is like a multivitamin for your career. There's so many benefits. By giving talks, you can attract sponsors who will champion your efforts and career goals. 
If you're looking for a new job or your next consulting gig, it's a great way to show off your expertise. You'll grow your network, which can pay off down the road. And if you're hiring, a presentation can attract people with similar interests and skills. Giving talks about our work is one of the most effective and genuine sales pitches. And, Karen says, because I want more women to have all these benefits, I co-authored Present, a Techie's Guide to Public Speaking to demystify the best practices and encourage people to do it more. Thanks, Karen. I think this is great advice. And for those of you who are encouraged to speak but aren't quite sure how to go about it, check out Karen's book. So in addition to to speaking at conferences, I wanted to look also at where we're seeing female representation in different ways. The academia world is pretty tough for women. There are some pretty difficult issues for women in academia that don't necessarily show up for other women in business. There's an article I found in The Atlantic called, When Will the Gender Gap in Science Disappear? And this is in April 2018. One interesting quote from this article was, for example, his team found that in almost all fields, women are substantially less likely to be the last author on a paper, the spot that's usually occupied by senior figures in leadership roles. Instead, relative to the overall gender ratio, they're significantly overrepresented in the first author position, which is usually occupied by junior researchers who do the bulk of the work. So this indicates that Either the reality is that there are fewer women in senior positions, and that's reflected in the academic papers, or that there is decent representation of women in senior positions, but they're not getting that spot on the paper for some reason. This article continues, women in science are less likely to be trained by elite laboratories, especially those run by men. They're paid less compared to men of equal skill. They receive less mentoring. They are more rarely invited to give talks. They are seen to be less competent and less employable, and their work is judged more harshly. On top of that, they must contend with stereotypes about their intelligence and scientific acumen, and significant levels of harassment and abuse. For each of these well-documented reasons, many women leave STEM careers early, while those who stay end up with fewer papers to their name than their male peers, and when they do publish, their work is less likely to be cited. Wow, that brings up so many issues. Pay equality, mentoring, invitations to talk, defending their right to be there, the usual harassment and abuse issues. This is really tough. And this this disparity was confirmed in another article by 538 entitled, In Science, It Matters That Women Come Last. And this article notes, the average male scientist authors 45% more papers than the average female scientist and author more than twice as many solo papers. Solo papers can look particularly impressive because the author gets all the credit for the work. So this shows that there really is a problem in the number of publications that are being generated by women versus men in academia and who's getting the credit for that work. Now, I'm not interested in just pointing out these problems without offering some solutions, so I did some digging into what those in the academic fields suggest for solving this problem. And some of the suggestions were things like hire more female editors of papers, invite more women to be peer reviewers, so they're part of the group reviewing the papers and deciding which papers actually get published, 
including more women on tenure committees, along with just the general workplace equality efforts. So if you're in a position to affect some change in any of these areas, I hope you you consider that and uh, think about how you can make things more equitable in the academic world. The last topic on this that I wanted to talk about was in the area of business books. And I personally struggled with this because I'm in a book club where we talk about business books and the books that we've read recently are by male authors and I found them to be very masculine both in the stories they tell and the approaches they suggest. To me, they feel somewhat outdated or old school and not very accessible or meaningful for women who are looking to do things differently. And I found myself wishing that there was a business strategy book by a female author that would provide a different experience and different suggestions for how we can approach business strategy and various business issues in a way that might feel more authentic to women and might get us away from some of the outdated modes of running businesses that really aren't all that healthy and don't resonate with the new generation of workers coming in. So as we were selecting our next book to read, I did a bunch of research on what business books are out there that are written by women. And it was really frustrating. I found a lot of books that were coachy type books of how to how to be a better leader, um, more self-help type books, and as opposed to business strategy and and sharing stories of, of how tough business problems were overcome. And so I did reach out to some friends to get suggestions, and I did get a lot of suggestions. So they're certainly out there. It just is somewhat tougher to unearth them. But we definitely need more female authors on these hardcore business issues. And I would encourage not just women to seek them out, but men as well. As we move towards a more balanced feminine masculine leadership style across the board, that learning from uh, women who have business experience is just as important as learning from men about their business experiences. It gives us that balanced look at how we as leaders can approach the business issues that we address in our companies. I would encourage everyone to check out some books that are written by women as in addition to those written by men on the business front. So this week's challenge is to consider the books and articles you read, the movies you watch, the TV shows you watch, and look at the breakdown of male and female authors and representation and see if you can even that out somehow this week. Maybe you can follow five women on Twitter this week. Maybe you look for a, a movie that is that has better representation for women, or you seek out books that are written by women. And I have great news for you, which is that you don't even have to go do your own research. We've done some research for you. So I created something that I call the Unraveling Pink Brain Trust, which is a group of people who have diverse backgrounds, different genders, different ages, different ethnicities that I will reach out to from time to time to get a diverse set of opinions on topics that the podcast covers. So this week I reached out to the Brain Trust and asked them about books 
suggestions. So either female authors that they would recommend or books by female authors that they would recommend. So here is what the Brain Trust came back with. Lon Allen suggested uh, reading books by Doris Kearns Goodwin. He found them both well-researched and well-written. Katrina Miranda shared one of her favorite female authors, Laung Ung, who wrote, First They Killed My Father. Laung is a Cambodian author and childhood survivor of the Pol Pot regime, and this is her personal account of experiences that she had. Jessica Shore shared that her favorite female author is Ayn Rand. Dave Smith shared that his favorite books written by female authors are Fight Like a Girl by Kate Germano, One, How Male Allies Support Women for Gender Equality by Julie Kratz, Network Beyond Bias, Making Diversity a Competitive Advantage for Your Career by Amy Wanninger, Inclusion, Diversity, the New Workplace, and The Will to Change by Jennifer Brown, and What Works, Gender Equality by Design by Iris Bonet. And finally, top three authors that shook one of our Brain Trust members to her core are Arundhati Roy for her incredible use of the English language in God of Small Things, and Tozake Shonge who wrote, For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough. And Curtis Sidenfeld, who um, the person who suggested this first thought was a, a male author, and she could not believe that a man could write about women like that. And then she ultimately realized that Curtis was a woman. So these are some great suggestions. I hope you check them out. I will put this list in the show notes so that you don't have to try to remember it while listening but you can go to unravelingpink.com, pull up this episode of Unraveling Pink, and you'll see all of these suggestions written in the show notes. And to keep this going, I also wanted to suggest a conversation starter. So I would ask you this week to ask people that you are around at work or outside of work, I want to read more books written by women to see different forms of the female narrative. What was the last book you read by a female author? Or what was your favorite book by a female author? And if you do have that kind of conversation and you get a suggestion, I would love it if you could tweet that to at Unraveling Pink. It would be great to get listener suggestions as well. I can continue to add those to the website so that we have a great list of female authors to draw from in the future. Thanks as always for listening. I hope you go have a conversation with someone this week about gender, in particular about female authors or speakers, and let me know how it goes. Thanks, thanks for the listener comments. Please share more, what you like, what you don't like. It helps me to build future episodes around topics of interest to you and to make sure that the format is something of interest. You can email me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at Unraveling Pink. And as always, if you enjoy Unraveling Pink, please take a few minutes to rate or review it on your listening platform. Together, we can start a conversation. Mm